0: Hi, Dark Down Easters, it's Kylie. And if you're like me, you are so excited to be able to head outside to some beautiful places now that summer is here. And one of the best parts of summer is that my friend, investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra is back with an all new season of park predators. And this time, she is taking you to some of the most picturesque destinations all over the globe, from the iconic Grand Canyon to the plains of Zambia and even to a park right in my home of New England. Each Tuesday, all summer long, join Delia as she dives into a new case that continues to haunt the histories of our national parks, because sometimes the most beautiful places hide the darkest secrets. Listen to Park Predators now, wherever you're listening.
2: I will never give
0: up. As long as I'm breathing, I will never give up trying to find him. Ramona and Narciso Torres have waited over two decades for answers in their son's disappearance. Angel Antonio Torres, also called Tony, is still missing.
2: It's been 22 years. He's been
0: gone longer than
2: he lived at this point. It's very, very heartbreaking. And we hope that somebody, you know, give us closure. You know, he was a nice young man. He had a lot going for himself. Somebody
0: took his life. I'm Kylie Lowe, and this is the story of Angel Torres, part one. Told by his parents, Ramona and Narciso Torres, on Dark Down East. It was a beautiful Maine summer day as I pulled into the driveway of Narciso and Ramona Torres. Ramona greeted me warmly at the front door. That's the first word that comes to mind after spending an afternoon with the Torres family, warmth. I've received many emails from you, Dark Down East listeners, asking if I would cover this case. Many of those emails were accompanied by your own personal connections to the Torres family. They're well known in their community and the school system. Being involved is important to them.
3: My name is Narciso Torres. I'm Angel's father. I'm a retired special ed teacher of 38 years. 32 of those years were at Bonnie Eagle Middle School here in Buxton, Maine. And now I. Um, I substitute at Freiburg Academy and Maliaket Middle School here in Freiburg, and I'm about to do some tutoring, I think. I need to interview tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I'll get the job. (laughs) So um, that's my life right now.
2: My name is Ramona Torres and Angel's mom. I mean, I've been involved, started the big buddy program at Freiburg Academy. I'm a retiree from the School District 61 as a receptionist, and just trying to... um, live our lives as best as we can.
0: You might hear in the background of this conversation the chirps of birds and buzzing of insects, the wooded area around their home alive and thriving in the late season. You might also hear the chime of a clock. A big hand-carved piece on their wall in the shape of mane. It marks every quarter hour with a familiar tone. I left that sound in for one specific reason.
3: Yeah. Oh, we're known for that clock. <laughs> clock has been here for like 30 years. So. Yeah, it's yeah, a main yeah. one, and we had a local guy in Bridgeton make it for us. Yeah. Yeah. But our sons, when they hear it through the phone, if they, when they move down, they hear it through the song, oh, that chime. <laughs> Reminds them of home.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Their sons and now their grandchildren, are at the center of Ramona and Narciso's world. Not an inch of the refrigerator was left bare. Photos of smiling faces cover the doors. Glossy memories captured on film. Among those smiling faces was Angel, their middle child.
2: I was living in New York. I was living in the Bronx. and Angel was born April 1st at 5.36 in the morning. It was a big snowstorm. <laughs> New York City, (laughs) yeah, yeah, and um, he was just so, so handsome, I was in love with him from the time I saw him. (laughs) It was exciting for me, and you're being born on April 1st, April Fool's Day, you know, as I gave him birth at the hospital, we had, we had Lewis, which is the oldest, and the nurse was joking with me, and she said, did the nurse tell you that you had two girls? I'm like, I did? She said, I'm sorry it's April Fools. <laughs> you, had a, you had a son so we always play a lot of April Fool jokes with Angel and uh, yeah. yeah
0: but it was great you know having him and being in another addition.
2: Yeah.
0: The first six years of Angel's life were spent in New York City, but Ramona and Narciso had their eyes on a different life for their family in the Northeast somewhere with space and safety and community. Maine, was calling their names.
3: Well, we had three boys, well, we had two boys. The youngest was born here. And we felt we couldn't keep them cooped up in an apartment, you know, because, you know, New York's not a good place for kids unsupervised. And we knew that, and our oldest, Louis, it wasn't fair to him, so we were looking for a place to move, and I had friends that had moved here starting in 1982 and then again in 83, and we would visit. And we made it a point to come up here for through all the seasons. And then we heard about the winter, how bad it is. <laughs> but actually, the winter's here. Are,
2: Much better than New York, are, I think.
3: Better than New York, I think, because at least you can do something. You can get out. So, it, But it, on the other hand, it was a big culture shock. Because, you know, New York is busy, busy, moving around, you know, Into running it. around. It's all these people. And here, things are a little slowed down. And so...
2: And the culture itself, I mean.
3: Yeah, so schooling, for me, because I taught the first six years in New York City. In New York, you start school after 8 o'clock, you get out at 3. Here, we were starting a little bit after 7, and getting (laughs) out like at 2.15, almost half the day still to go. So that was a change. So I took a leave of absence from my job in the Bronx. I I taught in the middle school, and we sublet the apartment just in case. So it was really hard. But we saw that it was great for the kids, because the kids got to get out. They met neighborhood kids, they played basketball, they, played they, yeah. they just did things that yeah. were available to that they would not, otherwise wouldn't have had in New York. Yeah. Or they might have had, but they would have been under crowded conditions.
0: Maine stole their hearts, like it does for so many.
3: We decided to stay. It was one of the best moves we've ever made. Because we love Maine. Oh, yeah, we love Maine. And I want to die here. You know, <laughs> uh, We love Maine. Maine, I used to tell, see, down in New York, we're Puerto Rican. And so I think we were discriminated against a little bit just because of who we were and where we were from. And so I anticipated that a little bit because I had read, too, that Maine was overwhelmingly white. But you know what? Pleasantly up here, people don't care who you are, where you're from, for the most part. There's always a few characters. But... They just care what you do for the community. And I looked at Ramon and I said, we're all set, you know? <laughs> and uh, people took to us. We've been here in Maine for 37 years. We've been in this house for 36. And, you know, we've been involved and uh, it was easy to do up here we love it. Maine's, a, Maine's America's best-kept secret. <laughs> and you know what, yes. And for all of you that are listening, it is too cold up here, don't move up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Building a portfolio with Fidelity basket portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other toppings, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelitycom baskets Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services LLC, member NYSCSIPC.
0: If you've been wanting to learn a new language because you have an upcoming trip abroad and you have no idea how you're going to be able to communicate with locals while you're there, then Rosetta Stone is for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. Choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you how to pick up languages in a natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and can be used on a desktop or as an app, and there's an audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, Dark Down East listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at RosettaStone.com slash DownEast today. Maine is undeniably different from Manhattan and New York City's outer boroughs. The difference in culture contributed to many changes in their lives, including Angel becoming known as Tony. It started with a misunderstanding at school.
3: And the teacher put pink in front of him thinking he was so he kind of complained a little and his middle name is Antonio so we started calling him Tony and so I think most people around here will call him Tony especially among his clique of friends
0: I asked Ramona and Narciso how they'd like me to refer to their son and what he would have wanted
3: I want to hold on to Angel yeah that's how I met him that's his real name that's his name Mm -hmm. In Puerto Rico, Angel is actually masculine. Yeah. You know, and then Angela, Angela. Angela is the feminine.
0: Ramona and Narciso switched between the two names. I'll use Angel. As they said, that's his name. Raising their sons in Maine was full of challenges. And looking back now, it also had its funny moments. Ramona reflected on the first time she left the boys' home alone in Maine. Mom and Dad were headed out for a night together, while Louis, who was about 14 or 15, a nine-year-old Angel, stayed home.
2: So we went out for dinner for the first time. I was pregnant with Jamel. We only were gone like for two and a half hours the most. (laughs) We get home and it was a car there, so it was a friend of ours. They had called her because they said that Tony, Louis said Tony was sick. And then instead of calling us, they called her. So when we got home, she was here. So she explained everything and we say, thank you. I'm, you know, we are so sorry, you know. And then we feeling terrible because, you know, here, we are the first time we leave them and it, this is what happens. So a couple of days later, we were having dinner and I can see Louis, you know, like smart in his face. And I'm like, well, what's happening? You know, what's, I said, well, remember the other day when we called Rochelle to come over, we were just scared. <laughs> <laughs> so they figured they call her so she can, they didn't want us, I guess, to damage our dinner, so they called her to come here and stay with them. So Angel was never sick.
0: The home alone mishaps aside. Angel thrived in Maine. They all did
3: the kids liked it. The they kids liked
2: the, it. As
0: kids you know, they loved
2: it.
3: Yeah, when they tried out for teams they didn't have to compete against 200 kids. It, yeah. was, it was more like 25. And, yeah. and they were very athletic. And they were all very good athletes. Yeah. All our sons are very good athletes. So they, they made the teams. And yeah. and we would go wherever they played. Yeah, we went we'd go to every to, game. we go to York. we go to <laughs> tra- uh, Trade. we go to Edward Little. We would go to all the games. Yeah. And yeah. The, the kids loved it. And they met friends and they got into hobbies. And you know, they all learned how to downhill ski here. And, you know, so, no, I think it was good for them.
0: Their sons were great athletes, and Angel was a star player.
3: He was on the Bonnie Eagle varsity soccer team, and it was a close game down near the end, and the ball was up in the air, and all of a sudden here's Tony jumping feet first and bicycle kicking the ball into the net to win the game. Yeah. So, So, and I was... I was a baseball and soccer coach in seventh grade, and I had Tony on my team. So one of the things I had to be aware of is the coach's son, you know, and not to treat him favorably. And I might have I been a little hard on him because of that, just to make sure the others knew. I'm not treating him any different. But Tony was an excellent athlete, and he made the team on his own merits. No one said anything, and actually, I liked him, because Tony was very social, very well-liked.
0: He was popular in school, and his parents recognized that he was particularly popular with girls.
3: It's sometimes too much, too much, <laughs> and yeah. the boys didn't like that. that. That was part of the issue with Tony here in Maine. That yeah. you know,
2: at the in the school.
3: Well, po- he's very popular, and that used to upset a lot of the high school boys. You know, a little bit, too, he was different. You know, he's brown-skinned. And I, I hate to bring that up, but, you That's know, the truth, they didn't take well to different kids that were different, and especially when they're popular with the girls. They were always a little resentful, and I had to step in sometimes and talk to these kids because I knew them, and they had a, at least a little bit of respect for me, and I just wanted to know what was going on. You know, what's... And they used to say that Tony flaunts the fact that he's you know popular with the girls and it bothers the boys and so I would talk to Tony and tell him that you need to tone that down a bit you don't want to
2: upset people
3: upset people and you don't want to flaunt that
2: but it's sad that you have to say something like that yeah. because I mean if you grow you grew up in Maine you know what it's like I mean when did you hear another parent tell him you know you can do that because you know they're white right and that was okay so when it came to the boys it was a little different And that's because they were brown skin.
0: Beyond the popularity, beyond his athletic excellence, at his very core, Angel was also incredibly kind and thoughtful. He cared about his family, and he had a very close relationship with his mother.
3: There was never a time when we didn't hear much from him.
0: He always called, yeah.
3: yeah. And he loved his mom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he loved you, too. <laughs> oh,
3: no, he loved me, too, but, it, you know, I'm dad, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: No, we had, we had a good relationship. All the boys and, our, and <clears throat> me and Nasiso have his special relationship and have
0: my special relationship with them. He was never one to miss a special occasion, either with a visit or a call.
2: I mean, that February, before he went missing, and he stopped by where I work at China Chef to bring me flowers and a card for Valentine's Day, you know? And that was nice. Out of nowhere, I, you know, he would do things like that for me. He was, he was very giving.
3: He was too giving. Too giving. Yeah, he was yeah. very naive. He was
2: naive, you know, and I think that was one of the problems that he, this happened to him. Because he grew up here. And he wanted to really mix with other people and it didn't work.
0: Angel called his mom in May of 1999. He had some news, an announcement, really. He had
2: called and said that he was he was going to be moving out of the dorms the following year. To so He was going to be a senior, and he was going to be living with young, his girlfriend. So when he said that, I said, well, that sounds like a great idea. I think it's good. I said, but you really need to bring her home. He's like... Mom, I'm 21. You think I want to bring her home? I said, "Well, you're gonna to have to. If you think we're gonna help you for one more year, you know." So he listened.
0: <laughs> Ramona meant business, and ever the devoted son, Angel listened. He brought his girlfriend home to meet the parents.
2: So we, you know, he brought her over, and obviously brought his dirty laundry with him, <laughs> and we talk, and we. You Nasiso talked with them, I talked with them, I talked by, by myself with her, you know, and they all went to rent a condominium or some, some type of duplex down in the Framingham area. You know, we were happy, you know, for him. We had our, our hiccups with Tony, but we felt that finally, you know, we were very proud of him that he was almost finishing school and we couldn't wait. We're excited for him. That was the last time we had physical contact with Tony. That's where that picture comes in, over there.
0: It's the photo that's most often circulated in the media when talking about Angel's case. It sat on the table with us as we talked that afternoon. It was in a metal frame with an embossed flag of Puerto Rico on top. In the photo, Angel sits on the couch, leaning back with a gentle smile on his face. It was taken in the same home where we sat together, talking about the photo 22 years later. The same tapestry hangs on the wall behind him, and the ledge around the staircase is still decorated with family photos. It was the last photo of Angel, the last memory they have of him in their home. Ramona and Narciso did hear from Angel after that visit on their anniversary, May 19th, 1999. He called to give his parents an update on his plans to move in with his girlfriend, Beth.
2: He told us that he was gonna be staying with one of his college friends for a few days until they were able to move into their apartment. And I said, okay, so he has given me his name and everything in case I did get in contact with him. But he called us He called us on May 19th, about 4.45 or so I like he said, he's an umpire, so he was getting ready to go to a game, but it was our anniversary. So, you know, he talked, and we laughed, and he said, Well, you know, I just want to tell you that I bought a sofa bed, so when you come over, and I said, Well, you know how I am. Maybe you want to sleep in the sofa bed when I go over. You and Beth, bath, and I can sleep in You know, so we, lo- we sort of joked about it, really. And I said, But one day, Tom, you will, you will know what it feels like to, to have someone so special, and I think you, you know, go in that direction. And that was really it. And then he talked to Narciso, and, and we both said, we love you, you know. And they said, well, I'll call you by Thursday to give you my, my phone number to the apartment. And I said, oh, great.
0: She hung up the phone. To this day, Ramona remembers how she felt after that call. But, you
2: know, the minute he hung up, I was just feeling some, I don't know, it was just a mother's instinct, something, but I was feeling like something was just not right, honestly. Even because, you know, when he called, he was already in her, which he never mentioned it to us. So, you know, I was feeling very stressful, to be honest. I went to a party that Friday, and I went with my, with my, one, my, my good friend, Ann Chappell, who her son is Tony's best friend from, you know, from they were in second grade all the way up. And we walked out to the lake, and, and I was telling her what I was feeling. And she says, what? I said, yeah, I feel like something is going to happen with one of my kids, you know, and I don't know, you know. And I started crying. She said, you want to go home? I said, yeah. <laughs> so we came home again, you know, and, and every day until that Sunday. On Sunday, May twenty third, 1999,
0: Ramona and Narciso Torres were at home. CBS Sunday morning was on the TV. They always watch it, they told me. It would have been 9 a.m. or just after. Maybe the clock on the wall with the familiar chime they were known for had just queued the next quarter hour, marking time as it slowly creaked forward. As a mother, with an uneasy feeling, waited to hear from her son. The phone rang, But it wasn't Angel on the other end of the line. Instead, it was Angel's friend Irvin, also known as Cash. He was the friend who Angel was supposed to be staying with before moving into his new apartment with his girlfriend.
2: He called me to find out, hey, have you seen Tony? You know, have you seen Angel? Because they didn't call him Tony then in Framingham. It was Angel. Have you seen Angel? Is Angel there? I said, actually, no, I haven't heard from him. But he said, well... Beth is all upset because she thinks that Tony got cold feet, and that's why she haven't heard from him. I said, "Well, I'm gonna hang up and I'm gonna call Beth."
0: Beth only echoed what Cash had told her: no sign of Angel. Ramona hung up the phone and found Narciso in the living room watching their usual Sunday morning program.
2: And I came over, and I Narciso said, "Well, let's call the police." He said, "I'm like,"
0: and that's what we did. A mother's instinct told her something was wrong. She and Narciso knew that even if Angel had a change of plans or went away for a few days, he'd still call. He always called. But it wasn't enough for the police to pay attention. Not right away. Narciso and Ramona ran into an all-too-familiar, yet endlessly frustrating roadblock. They had to wait a few days to actually report Angel missing.
3: Because they said he was 21, he's probably on, could be on a bender somewhere, or he could be could have taken off and, you know, he'll be back. And so we actually had to wait a few days. We
2: kept saying, no, it doesn't happen. No, happened, no. no.
3: He, and but we we said he always seeks to call us, you know, to contact us, stay in touch with us, and we haven't heard from him. And so we were persistent. Finally, they took up the case.
0: 22 years later, Angel's case is still unsolved. Ramona and Narciso Torres are still waiting for the call that would end the search for their son. What police learned during the earliest days of his disappearance, and the details investigators have uncovered since, the possible connections to an unsolved homicide months earlier, plus How the Torres family honors Angel's legacy and members of the community have stepped up to support the search for answers. There's so much more to Angel's story. It continues in the next episode of Dark Down East.
3: An angel was small, you know, seven, eight, nine. I had longer hair. An angel used to like to comb my hair and make sure that my part was straight. Yeah. And he would, you know, I would sit on the floor and he'd sit on the couch and he, you know, just comb my hair. <laughs> so that was something he did regularly.
2: Every time he had a birthday, he would come into the bed before 536. And for years, as soon as he knew the time, he would say, it's 525, almost 536 for my birthday. <laughs> so he would come into bed.
3: Yeah, and know? I would say, but it's not 536, <laughs> go back <Yeah>. to bed. <laughs> so
2: when he became a college student as a freshman, at 536, I called him at school, at his room, and I said, happy birthday. He says, "Bump!" it's 536. I said, it is your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I got it back
3: <laughs> we, we, we try li- we live a good life, and we always think about what would angel want to think be thinking
2: yeah, that's you what keeps us Would an-
3: would angel want us to be sitting around all day and you know crying and grieving and you know being depressed? I said, no, he'd want us to live life like before he went missing and together yeah.
0: As we emailed and texted to set up this conversation, I noticed that Ramona signed every message she sent with two words, forever hopeful. They serve as her guiding mantra. She will never stop.
2: I will never give up. As slow as I'm breathing, I will never give up trying to find him. You know, I hope I find him before. He's gone or I'm gone.
3: of you who who know what happened to Angel to uh, somehow summon up the courage I know you might continue to get intimidated but if somehow you can relay whatever you know to the state police anonymously it would be greatly appreciated it's been 22 years in that time you might have had children of your own so you can understand what it may be like to um you may, you may know what it's like not to have your child around I mean you may not know but just imagine what it's like not to have that child around anymore no. so please if you know anything please summon up the courage to somehow get the information to the state police
2: please help us find out
0: his remains. bring him home Maine State Police Detectives are interested in talking to anyone who has more information about Angel Torres's disappearance. Please find the courage and bring this child home to his parents. Thanks to generous donations, the reward for information is now $20,000. Contact the Main State Police Major Crimes Unit South at 1 800 228 0857 for in-state calls or 207-624-7076 for out-of-state calls the torres family honors angel through two scholarships for students in their school district the funds for the scholarships are raised five cents at a time collecting and redeeming bottles and cans you can make a donation to support this scholarship fund directly through Norway Savings Bank in Bridgeton, Maine. Call 207-647-3344 to make a donation to the Angel Tony Torres Scholarship Fund. Thank you for listening to Dark Down East. Source material for this case and others is listed at darkdowneast.com, along with key phone numbers and contact information to share information about this case and all the cases I cover on Dark Down East. Thank you, Narciso and Ramona, for your trust. Be sure to follow Dark Down East on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, so you get the next episode, part two of Angel Torres' story as soon as it's out. While you're there, leave a review or a star rating. It's the easiest way to support this show and the cases I cover. Follow along on Instagram at DarkdownEast and see key photos at darkdowneast.com. Thank you for supporting this show and allowing me to do what I do. I'm honored to use this platform for the families and friends who have lost their loved ones, and for those who are still searching for answers in cold missing persons and homicide cases. I'm not about to let those names or their stories get lost with time. I'm Kylie Lowe and this is Dark Down East.